Amen. And we do fight that battle on our knees because we fight a spiritual battle each and every day. Well, welcome this morning. Glad to have you with us. Uh, glad to have those who are here with us online, especially if you're there on Facebook or Twitter or YouTube. Be sure to like, to heart, subscribe there on YouTube. Be sure to give us the thumbs up. Uh, all those resources that we have there are great opportunities for you to invite somebody to come to church. Just an opportunity there for them to watch before they actually come. Uh, and then encourage you to invite them to come uh, with you in person. And then we also have our phone live streaming number uh, that you can see there uh, on your screen. Uh, uh, if you're at home, be sure to go to our church website at highlandbaptistchurch.com. Uh, it's under the info tab there at highlandbaptistchurch.com that you can find our worship bulletin. If you're here in person, our ushers will be glad to come and give you one if you didn't get one of those when you came in. Uh, they are here in the windowsills uh, also as well as at the back and, and out here in front of the offices. Uh, you can also get the children's worship bulletins there on highlandbaptistchurch.com under that same info tab. Uh, they're here in this windowsill over here if you want one of those for in person. And then also don't forget that you can download the prayer list there. Uh, be sure to get that, get a copy of that, and be praying for those uh, who are on that list. And those here in person are out here <coughs> in the stand on one of the tables. So glad to have everybody who's here. Hope you've had a, a great week. And I know you missed that hour <laughs> this morning. Uh, I'm lacking it too. <laughs> and so uh, we're going to press on forward. God's going to bless us. Looking forward to a wonderful service this morning. So Brother Mike, come and lead us. Good morning, all. Take your hymnals and let's turn to 413. And if you want to stretch your legs, stand and join the choir as we sing Faith is the Victory.
as we come to our missionary moment time, we are going to be highlighting uh, the Safidis, who are, they're not the ones that are in our bulletin. We'll be sharing about Elizadi uh, a little while later. If you were able to be here this past Sunday night, uh, we shared a lot about our missionaries, shared a lot of the videos from them, but a lot of people were not here to see that. And so we want to share those testimonies with you over the next several weeks as we continue toward our goal for the Annie Armstrong Easter offering that supports our North American missionaries. So this is Amer and Vicki uh, Safadi who are serving in Cincinnati, Ohio. So watch this video prayerfully. My name is Amr. I'm from Jordan. I moved um, with my family to the uh, U.S. We faced in Jordan a lot of persecution. Uh, it was so hard, but when we came here too, it wasn't easy for us. Me and my wife, uh, Victoria, was praying for the, the state and the cities that don't have Arabic church. After a long time praying, God said Cincinnati. We have a significant group of Arab-speaking people, so we've been praying for quite some time. God, would you give us someone that we can just kind of turn loose in that people group, right? And uh, Amr literally just called me out of the blue. There is not a lot of people know the culture, know their language, and can share the gospel with them. This is why we came here. Farmers and Family was part of the coronavirus relief. They just kind of called and said, hey, we got some free food. Would you guys be able to hand it out to your community? We opened the parking lot and the people coming with the cars. We talk with them, we pray with them, and also we take some boxes to deliver it to the families. They can't come here. It's opportunity to share the gospel. We'll continue with games, we'll have egg hunting, and we'll have dinner, and we'll invite the people to go inside the church and join our service. It's a wonder what's going on. They feel in the church, they feel we are more family. It's an amazing opportunity. We came to reach our community, the whole Arab people, and now we have people from at least nine countries from the Arab world. When you give to Annie Armstrong, you don't give to an organization, you give to the missionaries, and that allowed them to share the gospel. God has brought honor here. We're going to support him, we're going to encourage him, we're going to walk with him, and we're going to see God get glory among their people in Cincinnati. And you can do your online giving there and give directly towards uh, that particular offering. So let's go toward to the Lord in prayer uh, and uplift our North American missionaries, especially the Safidis. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you so much for uh, the Safidis who came from Jordan, Lord, that you brought them here to America uh, to help us in reaching the people groups uh, from that culture and from that uh, region of the world. Father, I pray that you will bless them there in Cincinnati, Lord, that you will have your hand upon them to watch over them, to guide them, to protect them, to keep them safe. And Father, we just pray for all of our missionaries that as we uh, pray about giving towards the Annie Armstrong Easter offering, that you would lay upon our hearts what we might give. Uh, and Father, I pray that we'll be able to reach that goal to support those ministries like we just saw in that video. So Lord, uh, press upon our hearts uh, over these next weeks that we might give towards that offering. And Father, we ask that you will use it to the furtherance of your gospel. Bless, Lord, this service this morning as we come to worship you. We give everything to you, the songs we sing, the message that is preached. Lord, I pray that you will uh, speak to our hearts in a powerful way that those who are lost will be saved and those who are saved uh, will grow in their faith with you. So lead us and guide us as we worship you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Uh, amen.
And so let me just say that again. If you are here in person, you can give that offering in a regular envelope. Just be sure to write on it and designate that's what that offering is for, the Annie Armstrong Easter offering. Uh, there are some special envelopes around that you can do that with. Uh, also, if you go to our website, there's a special designation there uh, that you can choose for the Annie Armstrong uh, Easter offering. So just want to remind you of that. Do continue. Even though our week of prayer ends today, uh, we want to ask you to continue to pray, uh, especially through the time of this offering for each one of those missionaries that you'll see uh, in that prayer guide. And there are those uh, prayer guides still laying around on the tables as you leave today. Uh, let me just remind you also that we are going through our series on the life of Jesus. Uh, this is a book called The Illustrated Life of Jesus by Herschel Hobbs. Great, amazing book. Uh, I'll let you know when we get to our message where we're at in this book so you can kind of know uh, what section you need to be in reading so you can follow along with the section in the Bible that we're following through right now in the life of Jesus. But if you want one of these, they are on the sides of the stage uh, as you leave both exits. Uh, there's just a few that are left. If you're at home and want one of these, please be sure to send us that email uh, and we'll get that to you. Uh, you can send that to Highland Baptist at Highland Baptist Tullahoma at gmail.com or Highland Baptist at cafes.net. Uh, and then also we do have some of the, the little cards that we're doing on Wednesday night with the book of Revelation. We finish our last church uh, this coming Wednesday night of the seven churches, the church at Laodicea. Encourage you to be here for that. It's a wonderful, wonderful message. Uh, and then we begin to get into a lot more of the prophecy uh, aspects there of the book of Revelation. So uh, looking forward to the message today also and can't wait to share it with you. Brother Mike, come and lead us again. Well, let's sing some more about having faith. Take your hymnals and turn to 405, Have Faith in God, 405.
preparations for Children's Church. If you have little ones that need to go that direction, they'll be meeting up here on the piano side. Otherwise, stand with the choir and let's sing 416, My Faith Looks Up to Thee. 416.
Are you ashamed of the gospel? No. Are you ashamed of the gospel? No. I didn't hear that very well. <laughs> I had to ask again there. Uh, take your Bibles this morning and turn to the gospel of John. John chapter 4 and verse 46 through verse 54. As I said, we're continuing this series through the life of Jesus. Uh, the message today is entitled, Faith is the Victory. Uh, and I want you to see that personally for your life uh, this morning as, as the Lord has some things for us to understand uh, for our lives today. So we're continuing on here in John's Gospel, John 4, and we're going to look at verse 46 and verse 47 to begin with. So let's stand as we read God's Word in honor of His Word. So He came again to Cana in Galilee where He made the water wine. And at Capernaum, there was an official whose son was ill. 
And when this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to you in prayer this morning, Lord, we face all kinds of struggles in our life. Our world is facing all kinds of struggles. And Father, I pray from this message this morning that we will learn that there is hope and that there is victory in Jesus. Father, I pray that we'll experience and and learn about faith being the victory for each and every one of us, Lord, and, and that it's just a simple faith, a faith of trusting in you and trusting in your word, trusting in Jesus, and knowing, Lord, that when we do, everything is in your hands, everything is in your plan, and no matter what happens with us through whatever situations we may be going through or no matter what happens in this world uh, with the things that are going on all around this world, uh, Father, you are still on your throne, you are still in control, and as long as we continue to trust you, as long as we continue to keep our faith in you, Lord, I pray that you will give us the victory in our hearts and our lives. Because we know ultimately, Lord, the victory one day is there before your throne of grace. And Lord, we expectantly look forward to that day when we will see you face to face. So bless this word this morning, uh, Lord, not only the hearing of it, but Lord, also especially the keeping of it, the applying of it to our hearts and our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. You know, there are a lot of people today who are chained uh, to fear and failure and hurts and to heartaches and to the pains and problems uh, of this life. There are many people in this world who are chained to to the stakes of sin and sorrow and suffering who could be free in an instant if they would just trust in Jesus. We need today, more than ever before, a faith that can conceive the invisible. Uh, We need a faith that uh, can believe the incredible and a faith that can receive the impossible. Uh, This is a story here about a man who learns an important lesson about how to trust, uh, to believe, to have faith in Jesus. He was a man who discovered that faith is the victory that overcomes the world that we just sang about a while ago. Uh, You're going to notice here with this man, as we've already begun here in these first two verses, you see here that he was drowning, if you will, in sorrow. We're going to learn that he was defiled in sin, like all of us are, and devoured by self. But then he met the Lord Jesus Christ, and with three little words, his life was totally transformed and changed forever. When he said this, Lord, I believe. You know, that's what the Lord wants for you this morning. He wants you to to not only speak those words with your lips, but to believe that in your heart. Lord, I believe. Here was this man who went from sorrow and sobbing to singing. He went from weeping to worshiping. And, And just by faith, he went from darkness 
to light. He went from blindness to sight. He went from weakness to might. He went from wrong to right. And in the process, we're going to learn here uh, that that he shares with us uh, the single greatest lesson that we can ever learn on how to walk through the valley of the shadow of disaster and the valleys of the shadow of darkness and the valley of the shadows of even death and come out victorious on the other side. Here's the first point I want you to get from this passage this morning uh, that goes from verse 46 to verse 49, that when grief strikes, have faith. When grief strikes your heart and your life, have faith. Uh, Notice again here in verse 46, uh, here is Jesus who comes to Cana in Galilee. Remember he had performed the the first miracle there where he had turned the water uh, into wine. And it tells us at the end of this verse that over in another place that was about 16 and a half miles from Cana, uh, there's a town called Capernaum. Now, if you know anything about Capernaum, uh, you can look at it on your biblical maps. You sometimes have those in the back of your Bible. Uh, Capernaum sits on the top on the northern end of the Sea of Galilee. Uh, It's a coastal city. Cana is up in the mountains, up in the hills. Uh, And so here is Jesus who's up in the hills there at Cana where he had turned the water into wine. And there's a man that we find out, not just any man, but an official who lives in Capernaum down by the Sea of Galilee whose son was ill. Now, this man's called an official. He's called a nobleman. And that word comes from a Greek word which gives us our English word kingdom. It literally means a king's man. A man that was an officer, if you will, in the king's court. He was a man of of prominence. That's why he's called a nobleman. He was a man of position. He had money and he had influence in the highest places. But he had a problem. Uh, His son, we find out in verse 47, was at the point of death. Now, I'm sure this man had done everything within his power up to this point. I'm sure this man had spared no expense. I mean, he had the means to do that. Uh, I'm sure he hired the finest doctors. Uh, He bought the most expensive medicines. And all the while, he watched helplessly as the life of his son was slowly flowing out of him. And his son is getting closer and closer and closer to death. And for the first time, this man, this nobleman, this high official who has all kinds of money, who has all kinds of resources, he finds out for the first time and realizes how little money really means. Understand this, that money cannot keep poverty from your door. But it can't, and it cannot keep uh, problems out of your life. This official, he learned uh, that there are some things that money cannot buy. He he realized here that, that money can buy a degree, but it can't buy wisdom. He, he learned that it can buy gifts, but it cannot buy love. It can buy people, but it cannot buy friendship. It, it can buy you influence but it cannot buy you respect. It can buy you a house, but it cannot buy you a home. It can buy you pleasure, but it cannot buy you peace. Money can take you almost anywhere except to heaven and buy you almost anything except eternal life. 
So I want you to see uh, that it was trouble and it was tragedy that brings this man to Jesus. It was a dying son that brings him to a divine savior. Do you realize that if this man had not experienced grief in his heart, if he had not known grief, he may have never known grace. You see that in the story? If he had not experienced tragedy, he might never have experienced triumph. And so often when trouble comes our way, uh, we, we get bitter with God or we get mad with God. And we ask the question, God, God, why did you allow this trouble to be brought into my life? Why did you allow it to come into my life? Well, many times it's brought into our life because it has one purpose. And that's that that trouble might bring us closer to God. So I want you to, 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 to understand this. I want to make a very strong statement to you here, here this morning to you about trouble and about tragedies that inevitably come into our lives. And I, I hope you don't forget this. Anything that drives you closer to Jesus is a blessing. It doesn't matter what it is. You can be going through the worst tragedy of your life, but if it is bringing you closer to Jesus, there is a blessing in it. Whether it's cancer or whether it's the premature death of a child or, or the loss of a job or, or the desertion of a spouse, anything that drives you to Jesus is a blessing. Because understand this, if this man had not been in danger of losing his son, he most likely would have lost his own soul. Do you get that? Because that's all he had ever known was his, was his wealth. He, all he had ever known was his position. So this father here, he comes to Jesus. And notice the verses that continue on here in verse 48 and verse 49. Notice here verse 48. So Jesus says to him, he says to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Notice what the official said to him in verse 49. Sir, come down before my child dies. So this father comes to Jesus and he's literally begging Jesus to come to his home, to come and to heal his son. And that would seem very normal, uh, a very normal natural request. But notice again how Jesus responded. Jesus said, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Now notice here that Jesus wasn't just talking to this man. Because if you go back and you look in the Greek, you'll notice that, that the word you there is not in the singular. If it was in the singular, we could see he's speaking directly to this man and only to this man. But actually, it's in the plural. Which means that he's not only speaking to this man, he's speaking to the whole group of people who are gathered there. And so that you is plural. He's talking to that crowd. And the crowd was full of, of miracle seekers and sign seekers. They weren't interested in salvation. Uh, they were interested in signs. Uh, they didn't care about worship. Uh, they just wanted to see all the wonders. Uh, you see, understand the world's no different today than it was 2,000 years ago. People still flock to see uh, the fabulous. All these people wanted was to see signs 
and wonders. They didn't care about hearing somebody preaching the word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit and to see people saved and to see people get right with God. But those very same people, those very same people won't cross the street to simply hear somebody preach the word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit and to see people saved and get right with God, those who would go to see signs and wonders. Let me ask you a question. Would it be better to see somebody healed or to see somebody get saved? When you're in the middle of the grief, we're always thinking about the physical. I want to see them get healed. You know, but we need to realize that healing is only temporary. Salvation is eternal. It is forever. You know, most people never learn that the miracles of grace are far greater than the miracles of glory. Uh, suppose here uh, that a man uh, w- was shot in the chest today and, and he was mortally wounded and you knew that he only had one minute to live. And suppose you could heal him. You could lay your hands on him. You could stop the bleeding. You could close up the wound. You could dissolve the bullet. And he would rise up and walk. But let's assume this man is lost. And he would eventually die and go to hell. So suppose on the other hand, in the last minute of this man's life, you can't heal him. But you could lead him to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Which would be better? Obviously, we would say, well, it'd be much better for the man to be saved. But let me ask you this question. Which would you rather see? Most of us want to see the spectacular. We want to see uh, the dead man come out of the tomb. We want to see the the lame rise up and walk. We want to see the blind uh, receive their sight. You know, there are people who will drive 100 miles to see a person who who supposedly miraculously heals someone, but they won't walk a few feet to see a person miraculously saved. So Jesus says to this crowd, in effect, you don't need a sign. You need a Savior. You don't need a miracle. You need a master. You see, you can believe in miracles without believing in the master. And so this official's problem was that he was more interested in the power of Jesus than he was in the person of Jesus. He was more interested in what can Jesus do for me than he was in what Jesus could do in him. Just remember what God expects you to do when grief strikes is just believe. Just have faith. Just trust him. Secondly, we find out in these verses, when God speaks, have faith. When God speaks, have faith. Pick up with verse 50, if you will. So Jesus said to him, after he had told him, Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus responds to him and says... I'll go. No. He says to him, go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. So notice that Jesus did what this, uh, he did what this man wanted him to do, but he didn't do it the way this man wanted him to do. What did this man want him to do? He wanted him, Jesus, you come down to my house and heal this, heal my son. 
Uh, he wanted him to come down, lay his hands on him, and heal him. And evidently, what he thought was that Jesus had to get within a certain healing range, if you will, of his son. In other words, he had to get close enough to do it. What he didn't understand was that with Jesus, distance makes no difference. His power isn't limited by time and space. You can't help but think about the difference between this man's faith and another story that we're going to look at later uh, about a centurion who came to Jesus whose servant was also sick. And, and Jesus refused to go here with the nobleman, but in the story we're going to look at later, he offers to go with the centurion. The nobleman said to Jesus, come and heal my son. And Jesus said, no, I'm not coming. Jesus said to the, to the centurion, I will come and heal your servant. The centurion said, oh, I don't need you to come. All I do need you to do is just speak the words. And, and so why would Jesus go with the centurion that we're going to study about later, but he wouldn't go with this nobleman? Why the difference here? Jesus refused to come, and here's the reason why. He was more interested in this father's faith than he was in the son's sickness. He was more interested in the father's faith than he was in the son's sickness. And I've got news for you. God is more concerned with your faith than he is with your finances. He's more concerned uh, with your faith than he is with your fitness. He's more concerned with your faith than he is with your feelings. He's more concerned with your faith than he is with your fortune. You can be in the greatest shape in the world. You can have more money than you could spend, uh, enjoy a beautiful family, live in a three-story mansion, drive an expensive car, and hold a top position in the greatest corporation on earth. But without faith. The Bible tells us you'll never please God. And so while this man was focusing on healing, Jesus was focusing on faith. And so notice again what he said to this man in verse 50. Go, your son will live. Your son lives is what he says. And evidently this man said, Lord, I believe. That's what real faith is. Because just believing that God will do what he says he'll do, uh, that's what faith is. Real faith is just believing the word of God. In fact, Paul writes it this way uh, over in Romans chapter 10 and verse 17 when he says, So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ, through the word of God. You see, this man had to learn this very valuable lesson. He thought that believing is seeing. That if I can see it, then I can believe it. He said, Lord, you come to my house. Lord, you come touch my son. Let me see it with my own eyes. You can heal him and I'll believe in you. Jesus doesn't take the bait. He says, no, I won't give you my presence. I won't even show you my power, but I will give you my promise. Your son is healed. Notice what happens. This man went on his way. He believed. He believed. And then he obeyed. 
he left just like Jesus said. Understand what the Bible says in James chapter 2 and verse 26. It says, For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. So at that exact moment, here's this official who comes, if you will, to a fork in the road where faith and doubt part from one another. And he has to make a decision whether or not he's going to get on the highway of faith or or he's going to go down the rocky road of doubt. And he made a decision that would begin to change his life forever. He says, basically, Lord, you said it. That settles it. I believe it. Because this man learned that seeing isn't believing, but rather believing is seeing. So understand, you don't receive uh, and then believe. You believe and then receive. So so often people are are looking uh, for for a work of God when all we need to do is get the word of God. And I want to tell you, if the word of God isn't good enough for us, then the works of God won't be either. Jesus, if you'll remember, told a story once about a rich man who dies and goes to hell. And he tells the story that this man was in torment and the fires of judgment. And, and you'll remember that uh, this, this rich man, he cries out across this great gulf and he asks Abraham if he would just be allowed to, he asks him first if he could just put a drop of water uh, on his lips and, and he could uh, re- be relieved somewhat of that, quench, of that fire uh, that was quenching, that was putting out his thirst there and and he says no he he said i can't come across to you and he says well let me go uh, let me leave hell just long enough to come back from the dead to tell my brothers about this awful place that it is uh, so that they wouldn't make the same decision that he did and wind up in hell instead of heaven do you remember what abraham said to that rich man here's what he said in luke chapter 16 and verse 29 through verse 31 but abraham said They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. In other words, if they see this great work of God, they will repent. And he said to him, Abraham does, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, what is that? That's the word of God. If they won't hear the word of God, Abraham says to him, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. So if the word of God is not enough for you, the works of God won't be either. And that's what Abraham was telling this rich man. If they won't receive the message, they won't believe the miracle. And so if the word of God isn't good enough, the works of God won't be either. So what does this man do when Jesus tells him that his son is healed? Very simply, we read there in the end of verse 50, he went on his way. Now there's more to to that statement than meets the eye. Because look at what verse 51 and verse 52 tell us. That man doesn't go home immediately. How do we know that? Look at what... Uh, It says there, it says he went on his way, verse 51, as he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. So he asked them the hour when he began to get better, and they said to him, what? Yesterday, at the seventh hour, 
the fever left him. So get this. Here's this man who in, in, verse, uh, uh, in verse 50 went on his way after Jesus tells him this. And then we read in verse 51, as he's going down, his servant comes to him. He finds out that the fever left him yesterday. Now, why is that important? This boy was healed at the seventh hour. Now, it's debatable whether uh, this was 7 o'clock in the morning, which would be Roman time, or, or 1 o'clock in the afternoon, which would be Jewish time. But it really doesn't make any difference either way because there was plenty of time for this man to get home. If you remember when I told you in the beginning, Cana was up in the, in the hill country. Capernaum is down by the Sea of Galilee. And so he had come already going up to Cana. Going down is a lot quicker than it is going up. It's only also 16 and a half miles, we said, from, from Cana to Capernaum. It's about a five-hour walk if you're just leisurely walking. It's about a two-hour chariot ride. This man was a nobleman, so he could have had a chariot. He could have had a horse even that he could have ridden on and got there quicker. At the very most, it would have taken him just barely over five hours to walk this journey. But instead, what we find is, is that somewhere along the way, he delays in going home. Instead, he stays in Cana. What is he doing in Cana? Well, who knows? He, he may have been conducting business, he, he may have been sightseeing, he may have been visiting friends, but the point is he doesn't immediately go home. If that had been our son, we would have immediately went home, but not this man. And so you could just see this man. He's kind of walking around town there in Cana. Uh, he's seeing some of his friends. They come up to him and say, what are you doing here? I, I heard about your son. Has he died? Uh, oh no, he's been healed. And they said, well, how do you know he's been healed? Have you been home to see him? No. They said, well, have you got a word from home? No. And, and they might say, well, how do you know then that your son is healed? Because Jesus said so. You can almost hear somebody say, well, don't you think you need to go home and check? And he says to them, do you think I, I need to get up in the morning to check if the sun rises, is going to rise in the east? And he probably says something like this, just as surely as the high priest is, is a Pharisee, Jesus said, my son is healed and I believe it. Here's where we learn what real faith is. Real faith is putting all of your eggs in God's basket and then counting your blessings before they hatch. Put all your eggs in his basket, not in your basket. Some may be thinking, well, I could never have that kind of faith. When the truth is, you have that kind of faith every day. I mean, think about it. You get sick, and what do you do? You go to a doctor who tells us that we have a disease that sometimes we can't even spell, and he writes out a prescription that we certainly can't even read, and then, and then he gives us a medicine that we can't even pronounce. And we take it to a druggist that we don't know, and then we go home and we take it. And what do you expect? You expect to start feeling better the next morning. Now, if you can have that kind of faith in a doctor or a druggist or a prescription, then how much more faith should you have in the Lord Jesus Christ? Here's the third thing we see. When grace shows up, have faith. Notice again in verse 52. So he had asked them when he, was, when he began to get better, and they said to him, Yesterday, 
at the seventh hour, the fever left him. Uh, Verse 53 goes on to say, The father knew that was the hour when Jesus said to him, Your son will live, and he himself believed in all his household. Now, I want you to notice what happens to this man beyond this miracle, something that was far more important than his son being healed. Notice there that there seems to be a contradiction because we're told in verse 53 that this man believed. But go back and look at verse 50. In verse 50, he said to him, Go, your son will live. The man believed the word of Jesus, spoke the word that Jesus spoke to him, and went on his way. So what, what, what's the difference here? In verse 50, he says he believed. Now he says in verse 53, he believes. Well, it's the same Greek word that's used in both verses. But the reason why we're told twice that he believed is because he believed in a different way. Because there's more than one kind of faith that people can have, even in a relationship with God. For example, think of this, that nine out of ten Americans believe that Jesus was a real person. But only three out of ten claim to have received him as their Lord and their Savior. So you can believe something without believing in something. And so you see in the Bible, there are different levels even of faith and different kinds of faith. In verse 50, this man had a satisfied faith. In verse 53, now he has a saving faith. At first, he believed in the promise of Jesus, but now, in verse 53, he believes in the person of Jesus. At the first, he believes in what Jesus said. Now he believes in who Jesus is. At first, he believed in the miracle, but now he believes in the master. At first, he believed in the sign, but now he believes in the Savior. So understand this, never get the idea that salvation is just believing in the word of God. It's also believing in the God of the word. This man had a different agenda from Jesus. He wanted Jesus to deal with his son. Jesus wanted to deal with his soul. And so the highlight of this story wasn't in the son's physical healing but in the father's spiritual conversion. You see, the reason why Jesus performed that miracle wasn't primarily so that that son could be healed, but so that the father could be saved. And then notice John closes this passage and says, this was now the second sign that Jesus did when he had come from Judea to Galilee. Do you know why Jesus performed signs and wonders and miracles wasn't just for the people wasn't just for those people to be healed uh, from their physical illness only to die later he did those miracles for a purpose and for a reason john tells us in his gospel in john chapter 20 and verse 30 here's what he says now jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book so John says you could, you could write books to the end of eternity and you couldn't fill up all the things that Jesus did in the presence of the disciples. But verse 31, but these are written, why? So that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. 
Jesus never performed miracles for miracles' sake. Jesus never healed for healing's sake. All of this was done so that we might believe, so that we might have eternal life. But get this, I want you to see one other aspect of this story. Not only did salvation come to this man, but there in verse 53 you read that it came to his whole household. You could just see this man walking down the road to his house. And here come these servants excited to tell him what's happened. uh, To tell him about the healing of his son. And this man looks at them calmly and says, forget about the miracle. Let me tell you about the man who performed the miracle. Forget about the sign. Let me tell you about the Savior who gave the sign. And they probably would have said to him, well, aren't you glad your son is cured? And he would have said to them, oh, I'm glad that my son is cured, but I'm more concerned that my son be saved. That father led his entire household to Christ. Can I just make a practical observation about many of us? So often we ask for prayer requests and, and the, the vast majority of those requests are for people we know and who love, who are sick and who are ill. And I want to emphasize that we need to be praying for those individuals and we ought to pray for the sick and we ought to want uh, those people we love to be healed. But has it ever occurred to you that so often we're more concerned about keeping the saints out of heaven than we are the sinners out of hell? We're more concerned about a person being healed and not passing away than we are about people coming to faith in Christ. How often do we pray for people to come to faith in Christ in our prayers? Let me tell you something. It's it's no tragedy uh, to go to heaven, but but it is life's greatest tragedy to go to hell. And one of the reasons why I know this man really believed in the Lord Jesus is because he wanted others to believe in the Lord Jesus also. He couldn't wait to tell others what Jesus had done for him. So understand, when you believe, when you have faith in Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith, that's what will happen to you. God will work miracles in you. God will work miracles through you. God will work miracles for you and with you. But there's nothing that God can't do for you, both on this earth and in eternity, when you just believe, when you have faith and trust in him. So if you want the victory, then remember this. Faith is the victory. And if you place your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, you'll find out that faith is the victory that overcomes the world. So often we look at death as a bad thing. I want to tell you, if you're a believer, it's not. It's a good thing. It's not that we desire it to happen. We pray for our family. We pray for our individuals who are sick and our family members, our, our friends who, who, who are going through such deep uh, crisis and struggle in their life. We pray for them. But ultimately, all of us who are sitting here this morning, all of you who are watching online, every single one of us is appointed unto man wants to die. The question is, are you ready when that moment comes, when that day comes? And until that day comes, are you living in faith in Jesus Christ? Do people see your faith in Christ? Are they seeing that that you are concerned about their salvation? 
That's the greatest lasting legacy that any of us can leave in this world is to live a life that points people to Jesus. That no matter what I'm going through, no matter what my suffering may be, no matter if I'm just like this nobleman who's about to lose his own child, I trust in Jesus who will see me through to the end. And one day he will usher us in to his very presence face to face to worship him in glory forever. How many will you take with you when you go? Do you, are you ashamed of the gospel? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a powerful story for us. Because, Lord, so often we are only looking for the physical miracle. And yet, Lord, missing so much of what you're wanting to teach us through the struggle, through the grief, through the sorrow, through the pain that you're taking us through. And you want to use all of that that we're going through to bring people around us to faith in Christ. Father, I pray that, that no matter what any of us are going through here this morning, some of us, Lord, are, are going through some of the worst things that we could possibly face in this life. Father, I pray that you will help us to keep our faith and our trust in you, to believe in the promise that you've made to us, that you will never leave us nor forsake us, and that if we have trusted by faith in Jesus as our Lord and our Savior, we have eternal life with you forever. So help us to live in that truth, Lord, no matter what time we have left. Lord, you might choose to allow us to stay here for another 30, 40, 50 years. You may choose, Lord, not to send your son Jesus to call us home yet. And so whatever time it is, Lord, that we have remaining on this earth, help us, Lord, to live by faith and not just focused on the physical healing, but mainly focused on the spiritual aspect, the spiritual conversion of our friends who need to know Jesus, that if they were to die right now, and Lord, there are many dying all around this world, all across this nation every day, who because we did not share, will spend an eternity in hell separated from God forever. Lord, may not that not be the case for us today. Lord, may we be like this nobleman and believe in the promise that you've made to us. That if we believe that you sent your only begotten son, Jesus, to die on the cross for our sins, if we trust in what he did for us by faith, we too can have that eternal life. Father, I pray that if there are those who are here this morning who have not trusted by faith yet, may they do that. May they call out to you for salvation. And Father, I pray that they'll come forward to publicly profess that faith in Christ. Others, Lord, who, who may be going through uh, dire situations in their lives, Lord, I pray that you will help them one step at a time, one day at a time, to keep their focus and their faith in you. And may you use that faith in you to be a witness and a testimony to the people and the friends and the family around them of who you are. May you use the greatest tragedies that we go through to bring glory to your name, and to bring good into our lives. Take us, Lord, and use us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As we stand, as we sing our hymn of invitation number 301, I am resolved, will you come as the Lord lays on your heart?
just go ahead and share a couple of quick things. These are in your bulletin, but just wanted to mention them to you uh, to remind you of them. We are looking for individuals to still help us at the ministry center on Fridays uh, to just open it up and kind of monitor there, share with people as they're coming in, uh, welcome them there. There is a sign-up sheet uh, on, the, on the board out here in the hallway. Uh, you can serve for just an hour or you can serve for two hours uh, on Fridays as we do uh, that ministry. And then also, uh, we are looking to start back with prime timers in April. Uh, you'll see that announcement in your bulletin. And just wanted to remind you that there is a sign-up sheet because we're planning to do this as a catered meal to, to begin with this first one. Uh, so if you'll sign up on the sheet to let us know you're coming, that'll help us to know how many to prepare for. Good morning, church. We uh, had a great time at White Sea this past couple days. And so it was a really good trip, and youth are already talking about wanting to go back again next year. And so uh, YC is very special to me because it's where I trusted in Jesus as my Lord and Savior when I went in Macon, Georgia. And so also we had a student, Landon Rogers, trust Jesus, his Lord, uh, this past weekend. So when you see him, let him know you're proud of him and encourage him, pray for him. And also, uh, parents, we still need some, uh, you still want your child to go to camp, uh, still need deposits and uh, let me know if you want to sponsor or help a kid when it comes to camp uh, we definitely uh, could use the help in that as well and so also parents be on the lookout as I sent out a newsletter this week uh, with a new parent study I'm hoping to start next month and if you aren't getting the parent newsletter or you're having trouble with it you know some people have had issues with the remind app uh, come and talk to me we can figure that out and also if you haven't signed up for it I can show you how to do that as well. Thank you. Uh, my other thing I have is uh, t this afternoon, Deacon's meeting is at 4 o'clock. Um, and prayer concerns, uh, Mrs. Bonnie Bankowski, who is Brother Jim's sister-in-law's mom, passed away from complications from cancer, so please keep them in your prayers. Uh, at this time, let's go, Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day and this time to come together, Lord. This church family who is, we're always there for each other through tragedy and, and trials as well, but please help for us to be out there praying with others and bring others to faith in you, Lord. Please use us for your glory and your, your service, Lord. Thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.